I'm Amy, sex educator, sex and relationship coach, and co-owner of purepleasureshop.com. And I'm April, sex toy maven, VP of Hot Octopus, and I've dedicated my life to the business of sex. We're two people with a passion for educating and inspiring shame-free conversations about sex and relationships. Welcome Welcome to to the the Shameless Sex Revolution. Revolution. Want to learn more? Go to shamelesssex.com. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSSEX at purepleasureshop.com. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Well, hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Shameless Sex Podcast. This time, I actually have my voice. Where to, way to go. Where, oh my God. where to go before well, it we, went we, we out at some trade shows and now it was bad. It sounds beautiful now. Thank you. Thank you. I had to shut the fuck up for a little bit. Also known as I didn't. It just took a week for me to <laughs> keep talking as much as I do because I like talking so much. Uh, so this podcast is with Yo Lee of Sex Stories. The podcast is an epic, awesome podcast. If you want to go and learn about sex, but also hear some stories. I actually listened to an episode and it was someone who they were a top who did a lot of impact play stuff, but they had some terminology and things I never knew about. That was fascinating. And then it was also like the inside workings of their brain and what turns them on to do these things. So I love podcasts. And I wasn't able to be on the show with you. And so I actually haven't heard this show or I will because I listen to the shows before they go on air. And I'm excited because you were all lit up after the yeah. recording and you were stoked. And, you and like, we got to hang out with so her at this last trade show, and though. we did. And she was so cool. And I'll be on her show separately. And you were yes. already on her show individually. And it was weird because I think it just ended up that way. Yeah. And I think that we that were happens, supposed to do separate There's recordings. two of us. We have lives. So that's a part of it. And yeah, it was so wonderful to spend time with her in person. It's a lesson about li- living and dying by my calendar, though, because if something isn't in there, all of my the segments of life are planned out. And I couldn't. I was like, oh, my God, it's not in my calendar. I can't do it. Like, like, I swear oh. it's not personal. She loves you. So this episode is about erotic bucket lists. Like, well, I don't know. Well, we won't go too deep into that right now. But like, what's on your erotic bucket list? What are the things that you want to do before you die that would really excite you? And how can that grow? Also, handling rejection, even within long-term relationships, because rejection is not just a dating thing. Rejection can happen with my partner of 10 years, me being like, hey, babe, and put a hand on your knee. I'm doing that to April right now. She touches her dog and she's ignoring me and so I'm dismissed so handling rejection is actually a very uh, fine skill it can happen with friendships it can happen in business it can happen in everyday dog ignoring exchanges yeah (laughs) rejection is a real fear of a lot of folks and I'm not adverse to feeling those things sometimes because I like that when I feel like oh I'm wanted and needed oh and oh you don't need me or want me and in our relationship sometimes I'm like Amy you didn't call me. You went out with a bunch of friends. I didn't Aww. get a call. And you're like, it's not personal. It's, like, it's oh. not. Yeah. Like, I didn't. I wasn't even able to go out. But oh, I'm sad. You didn't call me. Yeah. I think we talk about this in this episode about how it really generally is not usually is not a rejection of you as a whole person. Right. Like even casual dating, it's like they don't even know you. If they're like, I'm not interested. They don't know you. And then in long term stuff, like April and I've been together for how many years? Over 15 years in a non-sexual life partnership. Like we can still feel that, but it still isn't a rejection of the person. It's like there's, you know, circumstance or there's so many other pieces that come to hand and to the whole picture. Okay. Living by the four agreements. Now there's five agreements. I remember one of the most pivotal or influential ones for me of the four agreements. Don't take things personally. Don't take things personally. And I tend to still do that. And I remember the four agreements and that's the hardest one I think for a lot of people. It's so hard. It's like always do your best. Okay. That's easy. But like not taking things personally is difficult. So because it's life hands you personal, personal things. I think one of the tools for me at least is like take a step back when I'm feeling the things and not react right away and or like sleep on it even if I'm like super anxious and can't fucking sleep and then I'm like oh wait actually isn't Personal. You do a really good, great job of not taking things personally. I lose a lot oh. of sleep while I do this practice. Okay. so I, I, But I've learned from you within my relationship, in our relationship, where you're like, why are you, what's happening? You don't ask like, why are you why feeling that way? You? But you're like, hey, it's nothing about you. This is not about you. It's about X, Y, Z. And I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. 
And I love you forever and always. I love you chip. Too. You're my you're my chip. And, and you know where you can really love me? In Tulum. Because yeah. you know I'm gonna love you. I'm not you real baiting hard. you right now. But <laughs> yes. In Tulum, Mexico, yeah. April twenty-fourth through 29th of twenty twenty-four. Everyone, we will be there. We have a retreat. Yes. I am so excited. I cannot wait. We've already had several signups and it is only January. Yeah. And it- we're it's excited. So we, we did our first one in Costa Rica uh, early November and was it November? Yeah, it was November. <laughs> and it was everything we wanted to be. So we want people to come. And th- th- by the way, uh, we want you to come. Also, this is for women identified or Volvo owning folks only. But we want you to come with whatever curiosity you have, but leave feeling more alive, connected to yourself, your sexuality, your sexiness, to community, to whatever it is that you came to seek. And this last retreat that we did was exactly that. And I was like, fuck, yes, it happened. And it's all inclusive. You come there and you just get to relax and learn and play and laugh and do whatever you want to do it's basically it's shameless you you get a luxury vacation wrapped up into your money that you're spending and there are so many facets of this so go to shamelessx.com yep. and check out the retreats link and then it will send you to the we travel link which gives you all of the details about what you will get with your money and money is hard earned money we understand and you can also do a payment plan we have that so if it's easier for you so check it out or if you want to send your partner or your friend or you want to three people last time we did or if you want to go with a friend if you want to go if you have have like a bestie that you're like yo do you want to do this with me or if you want to make new besties we are that yeah because we like new besties so come join us to loom Come join us. Okay. And before we do sex question, last shout out. So we would like new gear for our podcast world, but we also, so we created this Amazon wish list, and I just want to sh- give a shout out to, you know who you are. I will not use your name, but you know that I know you and I really appreciate you. And uh, I don't say that in a creepy way. I say that in like a fuck. Yeah. Thank you for sending us a surprise gift from our shameless sex, Amazon wish list that will make our podcast better. We got the gift of new little mini mics to make our social media more on point in terms of the audio and we have a number of things in there they're all related to shameless sex so if you want to gift us some lovely things go to the show notes click there and send us some goodies and thank you to that human that sent us those mics that's awesome and just to be clear not all of them are really expensive things or some that are twenty dollars or some that are less and it's all things to improve the podcast if you're listening and we get asked on a regular how people can support us more and without just giving reviews or attending our live buy our um, book or our, our right. support our advertisers buy us some things on Amazon come to our retreat those are always and if you support if us. you don't if you can't do all of that don't then worry just listen. then just yeah. listen Enjoy. and support and be please in love review though you could still review that's uh, free please review and if you've already done that thank you okay sex question time all right here we go number one one picture of you two shows your different heights and another shows you at different heights please explain number two what do or should couples engaging in butt sex do to prep for clean experience? A clean experience. Is it as simple as wiping the bunghole with a wet wipe or something like that? So they're asking us about our height. So is April is. So yeah, question number one. April is the hot brunette with a shag haircut and bangs. Yes. Who's a little shorter than me. And I'm the tall blonde with the same haircut. Every time you see me, I always look the same. <laughs> Since you were like, I think, a child. Well, and I, I didn't, I, well I've yeah. always uh, been shorter than you. And I'm not yeah. a little bit shorter than you. I'm a kind of a lot shorter than you. She's like five However, inches shorter. <laughs> I wear a lot of high heels. heels. Yeah. And when we do photo shoots, because of our height differentiation. Yeah, we have to try to match. We have to. So Amy will be barefoot uh-huh. and I'll wear heels. I'm actually like, looking at this barefoot thing. Like I'm barefoot in this thing. Yeah behind you and I'll wear four to five inch heels because otherwise like our album photo so they call the album photo what what's on like iTunes or anywhere that we have our photo where it's like the black strap with the shameless sex and we're naked I'll be like doing a squat a little bit yeah which (laughs) PS like that was such a that was such a funny like the underwear that I wore for that you wore my underwear I think uh I was wearing mine in that photo Oh, actually, in the yeah. in the black strap. I wear uh, your clothes all the time, but in that one, I was actually wearing my. Okay, own but underwear. the underwear that yeah. I wore for that were not ideal, and you could totally see my vulva in that thing. So if you have a so the here's the way to, to actually see your vulva is you actually go get like a big screen zoom. TV and you I put Pandora or something, and it's shameless sex, and then you can actually see maybe a little bit of her. I'm vulva wildly or uncomfortable hair. at it, and it's made me uncomfortable for years. But we're Whoops. not changing it. But it's beautiful. And thank you. It's still it's like 
So the reason, and that one, we too, I was in high heels and you were barefoot and you're still a full like foot. I'm a tall ass bitch. So that's the answer to that question. (laughs) Yes. So we are different heights. Uh, Number two about anal sex and butt prep with butt wipes or whatever to, I like that you said bunghole. I just love that. I'm not insulting you at all. I just love, we just did a podcast with, um, with daddy Daddy half and he said booty hole, booty hole, hole. which I loved. And I was like, yes, booty hole. So, okay, so anal sex. April and I were just talking about this on a podcast that will be online in like a month, I think. Uh, And we love anal sex. And we were not talking about the cleaning process or prep. Do you do prep for anal sex for your cleanly butthole? I I do not. And the other night I had some incredible backdoor action and my partner did get a lot of Skids. um let's call it uh street accoutrement oh yeah on, extra on the finger yeah and and he was mindful and he's like hey i can't touch anything else because i have so i have i have some poop on my finger i was like oh okay and Wash he actually hands. just held his his hand up and then we sort of went through our the rest of our process and no more backdoor it was like vaginal that uh, kind of kills the mood at the moment you're right. like yeah but the penis okay. wasn't in the ass to the vag. Because remember, no ass to vag no. action ever with hands or orifices. Or sorry, not orifices. Well, orifices. Yeah. Uh, with hands or devices that are going in, whether it's flesh or silicone. And so with that being said. So you don't got- usually do cleaning prep other than like clean the butthole a little bit, but not like internally. Not unless. I mean, I, I, I don't. I but. keep very. I, I have wipes next to my toilet. And so I always wipe yeah. like and I also have the tushy which yeah. we've had because we were sponsored I have it on my toilet so I I will do the bidet however I'm not mindful about that all the time like before I have sex I'm like wait let me go to the bathroom and it's, it's part of the process my partner's totally comfortable with yes. knowing that's gonna happen and if I stick my hands in his bum I know that it's also part of that it's a possibility totally and it's not ill factor I just don't touch anything else with it and then I go and wash my hands yeah. make sure that's clean and then if you don't want it it's not all the time it's not a regular occurrence yeah. and I'm such a germaphobe that I do freak out however it has to if be expected. the germaphobe is doing anal, then y'all can do anal if you're interested. So just saying that one for April. <laughs> she's like such a we get in the airplane, she's like, Let me clean your your seat in your I wash my hands tray probably seventy five times a day on average. And she has anal sex. So yes, the ass does, you know, remove waste from our bodies and there's no way to pretend like that's not a thing. And if we want to clean the ass to have the supreme experience, number one, there's no perfect way to do it. When if you watch porn, they're doing deep anal or any anal scenes, they number one are probably done like a deep enema. So there's difference between an anal douche and an enema uh, or some people call an anal douche an enema these days but an enema to me gets into like the lower parts of the colon and a douche is just something that you uh, lube up the tip it has water in this little base thing usually like made a narrow a narrow space a great one and you put a little saline solution or just salt in there so that your um, body doesn't absorb all the liquid. You squeezy it in and it goes into the rectum and that cleans it out. Then you expel it and then you do anal sex like uh, probably a couple hours after. I wouldn't do it right after. And you expel it naturally. Naturally. You don't have to try. the toilet. Right. But an enema to me is something that pushes water deeper into your body and then it cleans up all these other parts of you if you're going to do deep anal scenes. Like or- a colonics. Kind of, but it can also just go like beyond the rectum meeting the colon, depending on how you're using it. So yes, it, it's colonics does a way colonics is like you're going to be squeaky clean after, and you could do multiple rounds of a actual anal enema and get squeaky clean. But as your body starts to process the food you, that you ate that that morning, if you ate food that morning, it goes into your digestive system. So you don't have a lot of room to like buy time. And so when I look at deep anal porn scenes, I think that they're not eating for two days. If they are, they're having like a liquid diet. They're doing deep enemas, like squeezing things into the like actual liquids into their rectum that also meets various aspects of the colon that cleans it out. So it depends what you want to do. Well, we did meet a porn star when we did the episode about panties. Yeah. And and oh, she yeah. was going to do and an anal scene. And right. And she was doing an anal scene, I think, later that evening or the, or I think later that evening. And she had said that she wouldn't eat because she wanted. She doesn't want things going through her digestion. And then when system. we've done Eric Everhard has yeah. also talked about that. Yeah. So it makes sense. And I, if I did want to go into a deep anal situation with my partner maybe I wouldn't eat but it's but not, if you also were y'all were me. comfortable so here's the other thing laying down 
you know, sheets or towels that are a darker color or, or, yeah. or a fascinator throw by Liberator, which we have at purepleasureshop.com that is ideally a darker color like black that doesn't show all the things. And then you don't see all the traces. So the answer to this is like, what should couples do? You all decide for yourself. For April and I, we're not going to do deep enemas. We don't fucking care that much about having every no. part clean. And if, you know, traces, meaning poop happens, then they happen and we deal with that. But we have an arrangement with the people that we're having sex with where it's okay. We know how to deal with it. If you're having sex with someone where you don't know, like, are they going to freak out? Am I going to freak out? Then I would be even more careful about that and have more conversations. Use darker colored towels, blankets, etc., to make sure that you can handle it if it happens. I want to say something about yes to everything you said thank you the last piece where they talked about is it simple is it as simple as wiping the bunghole with a wet one please don't use wet wipes or anything with like alcohol Ooh, yeah. on your butt because that will burn and it's also not good that oh, will dry out your genital you like don't want to you don't want to do that no no no, no. Yeah. so if that's it, like a baby wipe but like aloe right area. or honestly and we're no longer sponsored by tushy but when we were we each had one and i still advocate for the spray of the bidet i love that feeling and i use it every day i expel the bms and <laughs> i would say that it has helped and i do use flushable wipes and some people would probably if they own a home they'd be like oh my god no my will you flush them i do why um, do you flush them just put them in the garbage so we're not going to talk about that right now oh, um i flushed them for years and i don't own a home and i know no my landlord my septic overflowed the other day I just kidding. That didn't really. I've happen. never flushed them at your house. I've never been to your house because uh, you just moved into a new home. So that's not on me. And I've actually asked my landlord about it, and he's like, "I don't mind. Like it's fine. We've got strong pipes." And I was like, "Thank you." I'm just go with my differing opinion that I would not advise flushing wipes. Also, or we're not plumbers, so go ask whoever in the toilet. You even care if they say about. they're flushable. I don't flush tampoons. Thank I don't you. wear them. Okay, cool. Okay, ready for a bio? Wait, will you put your teepee in my bunghole first? No. Do you remember what that's from? No. TB in my bunghole? Uh-uh. Beavis and Butthead, clown. Oh my God. How would I remember that? TB in my bunghole. I didn't even have MTV. What? How do you know that? I don't know. I'm I haven't almost watched 40. Beavis and Butthead <laughs> since I was like nine. <laughs> so good job. But no, do I remember that? No, I saved now space you do. in my brain. For now you remember. Okay. So, but I love Mike Judge, who also wrote way better films. Um, <gasps> How dare you insult Beavis and uh, Butthead? <laughs> he, he wrote way better Shame. films. Shame. All right. So- Wiley is a photographer, researcher, and creative educator dedicated to making the world a sexier, more loving place. On her podcast, Sex Stories, guests share details of their personal and or work-related histories in an effort to add social and emotional context to the sex ed most of us never got. Her favorite thing, aside from actually having sex, is learning what people love or wonder about. To learn more, go to wiolee.com. All right, everyone, it is interview time, and we are here with Wyo Lee of Sex Stories, the podcast, and she does so much more than that, too. And I was listening to her podcast the other day and loving it because it was highly entertaining and I actually learned a lot at the same time. And I think some, not just podcasts, and I'm not insulting people, but I think People go either the entertaining route or the educational route. And I love other podcasts that bring in, you know, both sides of the um, the experience of talking about and learning about sex. So be prepared to learn a lot and probably be entertained, maybe some laughter, maybe some education, all the things. And you already heard a little bit about Wyo in our in the intro, but Wyo, can you please tell our listeners how you got to where you are today in the field of sexuality? Absolutely. And I am so excited to be here. And I will say it was completely an accident. I didn't mean to do anything sexy. I was just trying to get laid and getting rejected a lot. So my origin story sex-wise is one of rejection. I tried four times before I got to have a partnered sexual debut. And it's not because I was mean and it's not because I wasn't cute enough to get fucked. It was, um, well, now after interviewing hundreds of people and doing deep, deep research, I realized that there were lots of social cues that I was missing, lots of assumptions I didn't share. You know, I had been kind of raised with the cultural narrative that I think some others are familiar with that like, if you're a lady body human and you're horny, all you have to do is say yes. 
to a willing candidate. But I have a very unique kind of backwards special skill at really terrifying people who clearly want to have sex with me. <laughs> terrifying <laughs> them? <laughs> yeah, on accident. And so in my efforts to kind of get to the bottom of that, I did discover transcendent sex. And then I was like, oh my, and that happened to be the same year as Me Too was breaking. And I was like, wait a second, sorry, what's happening to all of you out there? Because it was a completely backward experience from my personal history. And so from there, I was like, oh man, I've just discovered kink. I understand these conversational tools of explicit communication that are so helpful. Why can't other people have them? Why don't they have them? And I think I thought that I would like interview a year or two's worth of people and then like figure out sex and move on. But really it, you know, kind of veered my mainstream entertainment background. Like I went to film school, I've been working as a photographer. I've been a photographer since I was 12. And now my whole life is sex because it is my hyper-focused special interest. And I, my bucket list just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And I, like you said, every day I can't help but learn things. And I'm like, oh my God, how am I still learning stuff about sex? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the main highlights in a nutshell. I love it. And so many of the things you talked about, like the rejection and the bucket list, actually, those are some of the questions I'm going to ask you because I think that they're really interesting for listeners to hear about and that and will really help them to understand more of it to implement in their lives. I'm pretty sure that we have the best job in the world. Like we get to talk and learn about sex every <laughs> week. Like I'm we're not even paying for sex education school. And, and you're you get this too, right? Why like we're constantly just in sex education school and it's fun and it's exciting. So, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we don't have to like go out into the world and do hard things unless that's what we want. It's like, so um, kind of hard as you're talking about. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Um, I want to start with something that I was reading, something called I'm gonna say this right, is it the the hierarchy. Am I saying the that right? Hierarchy. Hierarchy. Yeah. Okay. So I'm dying to know. What is the hierarchy and how is it related to the social expectations that drive sex related commerce? I'm like, I'm just I, I need to know about the hierarchy. <laughs> so a little background. First of all, I didn't coin that term. A lot of people are hearing it from me for the first time, but I think I learned it from Melanie Crystal, the creator of Laurels. And so love oh, I love her. Love Laurels. Yes. Oh, my God. My yeah, my laurels .com, I think. Right. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so basically. Sex Stories was supposed to be a passion project, a short-term passion project. And then the more I got into it, the more I found myself getting censored. And I was like, I'm not even making money. Wait a second. I should be making money off of it. You know, like, oh my God, I have a thought, you know, and all those emails that come from that. And so I was like, okay, I'll try to make some money. And then I got increasingly censored in all these accidental ways, right? I'm such a rule follower. I grew up on a farm, military, medical, professional parents. Like, I like rules. I'm a kinky submissive. Like, just tell me what to do so that I know what to do and I will do it. And that is not how our world works. And then as I started to try to make money on this thing that was like related to this topic that I'm like, this is a good topic. I am doing it educationally, but with story based things, because entertainment should, you know, whatever my philosophies on entertainment and erotic education, or rather my philosophies on erotic entertainment is that it's the best way to learn about sex right so we and we were tell me what erotic education erotic because i've actually never heard that term before oh maybe i made that one up so everything <laughs> that i'm doing going forward in terms of crossing off my bucket list and i'm jumping ahead i am documenting to create erotic content so it's it is erotic there are there will be like full naked me. You can already already find my masturbation, meditation, explorations of edging. What the month of September, I didn't let myself come, but I did touch myself for a lot of minutes every day to like explore different sensations. So that to me is an example of yes, it's erotic, but also the point is to learn and discover from another person who's learning and discovering themselves. Because for me, the big thing that's missing on the screen with a lot of porn is in film school. I went to USC film school. I learned how to kind of understand the emotional context of on-screen storytelling. For me, that's oftentimes missing in erotic content, even if they're having like a really good time, because it's a different skill to translate the real thing into the picture that helps the audience feel that feeling. So that's kind of what I'm obsessed with now. But jumping back, I was getting censored. I was like, what the fuck is happening here? Why is this happening? And then I realized that we live in a world where we are definitely allowed and encouraged to sell things with sex implicitly. So, you know, think the really sexy hamburger commercials, all of the like, like ladies can be so, so sexy as long as they're supposedly being regular. And so mm -hmm. I finally started to learn, you know, I have a very literal brain, very literal. I miss a lot of social nuance, a lot of social cues. 
but I look like a classically pretty blonde haired, blue eyed, all American farm girl, which I am. And so people I realized it was like February of coming up on two years ago that I was like, wait a second, am I in the hot girl category? And realized that like <laughs> I had been behaving like, you know, there are expectations that people have, especially when it comes to sex in society and talking about it directly out loud. I mean, you have a whole lot more experience of this than I do, but I didn't know how to implicitly communicate around it. I'm like, but how often do you get hard? And are you nervous when you suddenly are not hard during a you know a sex session and you can't put it in? Why does that make you nervous? Like there's <laughs> all this nuance I've been missing for years. And, you know, I then was like, wait a second. Well, if I like sex, if I'm actually not shy in these ways, if all that's been holding me back from being a sex worker is just like not going to do that, that seems like money left on the table. <laughs> So I went to, and, and also because I was talking to another podcaster that was like, what do you mean you already have like fine art erotic nudes up on OnlyFans? You are a sex worker. And I was like, am I? <laughs> He's like, did you make money off of it? I was like, a little bit. He was like, well, you know, people are getting off to it. I was like, yes, but that's not like it, I didn't create that stuff with that intent. It's like me like posing silly as a shave head woman trying to figure out if she's still sexual as a you know kind of like a robot looking creature because for six mm. years I had totally shaved head this is like a year and two months into growing my hair back because of this exploration and so I was like oh okay well I'll just go be a sex worker so for the last three years I have been exploring different aspects of sex work both directly and through interviews and I realize you know I'm slowly having so many realizations that there is a lot of fantasy and like social dancing that happens even in that world, right? And so I'm a person who people tend to like sex stories because they like how open and honest and clear I am. And that does not translate very well into sex work. It means that a lot of people think that I am their free, on-demand girlfriend. And that is what I'm learning about now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we're, uh, April's not here right now. Oh, by the way, I didn't say that April's not here. Everyone, she had uh, another thing. It's my fault with the timing over here, but April's here energetically. Um, but we we talk about how, like, I mean, we love and appreciate sex work so much. And I think it's such a broad umbrella of what sex work could be. And so if you're defining it as, you know, OK, you put some pictures on OnlyFans and you made some money because some people bought it or like paid to look at it and got off to it. I mean, I'm pretty sure as all of us podcasters to talk about sex. I mean, we've received emails from people yes. who are like uh, totally masturbated you and we're like, good for you. We don't respond. We're like, OK, thanks. But I'm like, so am I a sex worker? Because we make money off this as a business. So, to, you know, technically, you know, we're or like we sell sex toys, right? My mom and I own a, a mother daughter owned sex shop called purepleasureshop.com. Yeah. And, you know, so we're, we're giving people orgasms. No, they're not masturbating to me, but like, so I, and I, I like that. It sounds confusing. People are like, well, that's not sex work, but you know, mm-hmm. I, I like when we broaden definitions of what me things too. should be because people are, we're not as like limited and confined, like, you know, the idea of like a prostitute and it has to be, you know, if you're having like penetrative sex, then it's sex work. But then we're saying that all sex is penetrative. And then I don't know. Anyways, tangent yeah. left and right. No. No, that's exactly what my brain was doing. And that's why I started interviewing other sex-related professionals and not just everyday people, right? So the first couple of years, it was like all individuals, mostly anonymous, some few brave souls who are willing to share their whole identities, which I think, you know, think about if in this entire world, everyone who is like terrified because we can't talk about sex because we'll lose our corporate job. If all of those people were honest about what they were into, they can fire us all, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I so. Think we need people to work. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. So it's, so it really is. I mean, I know you guys are like proponents of the revolution and really like leading the way there. And I really just stumbled into it, but I started asking the question to myself, like, well, damn, if I'm a sex worker, am I a sex worker? Why am I not going all the way? And so mm. I've been just slowly but surely gathering information to figure out where I fit the best. And the answer is, so far, I'm not a particularly effective sex worker. However, I am an incredible artist. Like, mm. I, and, mm. and I want to be really clear that I am not valuing artistry over craft mm. at all. In fact, I like really, 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 really admire the sex workers that I have worked with and spoken to. And a lot of what I do now is helping them create slutty content. And so that is kind of the background. And I mean, Sex Stories is a mostly passion project, like funded by my own sex work and the creative work that I do with people Mm one-on-one. And it has just been so fucking amazing to work with more and more people where sex is what they think about most of the day. For me, that's very exciting because I'm Mm -hmm. just like, 
I love learning. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of learning, you've learned so much from the hundreds of people that you talk to from um, well, sex stories, to your podcast and beyond. And so I'm curious, and this will just be like a generalized question that I think that will uh, be, everyone wants to know from all the hundreds of people that you've talked to and worked with. Uh, what have you noticed about the specific communication patterns between partners who have the most satisfying connected <gasps> sex lives? Like, what the fuck are they doing and how they do? Why are they doing it right? <laughs> I mean, I'm still trying to answer this in my own life, but the pattern that I observe in others, and especially when I work with people one-on-one, -on -one, because I have a really great skill of being like, what about this? What about this? What about this? And helping hone in on people's priorities and then noticing their patterns together, right? And, and being like, well, why don't you try this? And then they're like, oh my God, it worked. And so I'm still learning to do that for myself. But the number one thing that probably is not a surprise to you is people who communicate clearly and honestly about their desires in an ongoing way have the closest, hottest sex. Like that's like it's pretty much that's the big kind of like distillation that I see. And, you know, in my own life, when I am struggling with partners, it's usually because there is some sort of communication breakdown and or, you know, things get difficult for couples or moresomes when there is that kind of like standoff of resentment. Mm -hmm. And so usually it's not just communication, although that's the most obvious part. It's communication on top of sleep and like nutritious food and exercise and like a life where, you know, both parties or all parties involved have manageable stress loads and have like a similar desire to prioritize one another. And so those are the pieces of, you know, it creates a very, very deep rabbit hole. And that's before we've even gotten to the specifics of like, what kinks are you into? What desires do you want to explore next? Or rather, what fantasies are turning you on? And then what actually is a desire, which I think from your book is such an excellent delineation. I've been using that really, really clearly with partners and clients lately to be like, well, is that a fantasy or is it a de desire? And kind mm -hmm. of giving them that that clarity between the two and how they can be different. So useful tools. But yeah, I would say that desire obviously is a component. And if people are in a space in their life where desire is absent on one or both sides, Usually that's when I peel back the layers of, again, basic lifestyle. And that's also where I discovered kind of the link between regular everyday creativity, one might say. So, you know, whether you're like putting together a spreadsheet or like figuring out what recipes to do for the holidays, or if you're an actual artist, usually if people are turned off creatively and again, stress, lifestyle, et cetera, it's hard for them to be turned on sexually. So I kind of like to, um, you know, and all this came from my years as a headshot photographer, right? Like when I was shooting headshots with people, I found that I was creating these like really intimate containers, especially with my longer, like one or two hour sessions. And people just started telling me everything, which I love, you know, especially once I was like getting kinkier. And so, you know, creating a space where people can tap into their creative parts without the expectation of any specific thing coming out of it, then I usually makes them turned on in these other ways. And I get like really interesting, wonderful messages from people after they've kind of given themselves permission to like break through to whatever that next level is for them. Yeah. Yeah. That's time for a quick break. So we can tell you about our carefully chosen sponsors. Please stay tuned and buy their products because we only tell you about what we love and what we truly believe in. And it helps keep this podcast free to you. Really powerful work, and I 100% would agree with that. The communication, or is it Emily Morris, Dr. Emily Morris, who says communication is lubrication, lubrication. and yeah, but and then we say that in almost every podcast. Not that's not that's lubrication, but communication is being the most important thing, and and it's pretty much the answer to most of the sex questions that we receive. There's other answers, but it's one of the the primary answers that we're saying to almost every question. It's like, well, are you talking about it? And I know for a lot of people, they're like, oh god, here they go talk about communication, but we cannot talk about it enough because Absolutely. it is, yeah, it it is important, and. When when I think of past lovers that I've had, you know, if I have past lovers that the communication was completely on the table on, on both sides, like they're communicating with, about what they want, what they want and what they don't want, when I'm doing the same thing. I haven't, I don't have bad sex with those people. I might, have, you know, maybe it's not always like the best, but I have good to great sex with them. And it's the, the people where the communication has been missing or at times in my life where I wasn't advocating for my body or maybe I didn't understand my body, mm. but when it was there, it's just this easy setup for better 
more connected sex. It's just like, just like it goes, goes hand in hand with better, more con- con- yeah, connected sex. So yeah. uh, you, you mentioned something well, about kink and I want to, like, I want to, I want to oh, add yeah, one yeah. more thing to that. Yeah. Yeah. I would also add that probably the number one thing I've noticed is not just like, yeah, yeah. Go communicate. It's every single person communicates in such different ways yeah. and words mean different things to different people and words have different contexts to different people. So truly the more people I interview, the less I feel like I know when it comes to sex and communication, because I'm like, oh my God, they're all so different. There is no one answer. So it's like, yes, I can ask, tell people a million questions to ask their partners, but ultimately it's about figuring out what communication works between you and your individual partner or partners. Yeah, a hundred percent. Some people use more like body language communication is less words. And so there's, there's no one right way, but you're learning to work with other people as two plus different minds and ways of being. So, I mean, yeah, it makes perfect sense, but that's not what everyone's taught. Like, oh, we're all different. Oh, surprise. Yeah. <laughs> it applies to sex. too. every single person you have sex with. And if you've had sex with the same person for five years, they're changing every day, too. Oh, my God. Surprise. Yeah. It's so weird. Yeah. We, get, we change every day. Um, you mentioned you were talking about kink. And I want to. So I read something in your um, it wasn't your bio, but something that you had stated. And, and I want to see, is it a secrecy kink or a secret kink? It's a good question, right? Yeah. Like, do we, I think collectively, I think people have kinks around secrets. Ah. And so I'm like, I think maybe we would call that a secrecy kink Love because that. what I have learned, especially as a podcaster who people treat like a super secret slutty girlfriend, which I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm a podcaster. <laughs> um, is that people really like to have this like little private container that maybe their partner does you know Esther Perel writes about this yeah, really like the mystery right mm-hmm. yeah yeah and that I don't really have that I'm like hello here is all of me would you like to know anything I'll tell you everything and then after like five years of doing that publicly I'm like oh is that oversharing mm-hmm. you know but it depends on the person right and noticing how people do kind of present differently right intimately it's a beautiful space to create intimacy and then there's the part of me that I'm like oh wait I like enjoying other people's secret spaces because I feel like they are the most real with me mm-hmm. so like historically I have been happiest as like the partner to a married person in an open relationship but it's a don't ask don't tell which I personally don't actually really like a whole lot mm-hmm. but at the same time I'm like, well, there's no expectations here. And I trust that that person is just being themselves with me because we have this like little pocket that's so small. So that's mm-hmm. just been one thing that I've been curious about a lot lately and have just started asking people about. But like, do you, you know, do you have like a secret zone where you're like, haha, this is just for me? Yeah. So I, for me, I think I struggle with the balance of trying to be share more truth sooner right and being really honest with you know lovers and and partners about all aspects of amy and i think that is really important when it comes to safety and trust like i don't you know that's that's really important to me to receive and also to give but you know for me i think that some of my my fantasies and the things that just happen in my head they don't all have to be shared. You know, if I want to share, that's great. But, mm-hmm. and so some, some of it's kind of nice to just be like in my own, in my own internal space. I think it's more about, you know, the things I'm doing with other people or my intentions with other people. And if I'm not sharing that with my partner, cause my partner and I we were monogamous for a couple of years and monogamous. Now we're doing more non-monogamy with kind of more freedom there. But I, so I, I'm hearing that. So secrecy kink is someone finding it erotic to have something that is personal to themselves that they're not sharing with the other world. There's something that is arousing or enticing or fulfilling around that, right? Like I keep this for myself and Esther Perel's work will say, yeah, that's really important. If you are a complete open book with your partner about every single thing and you don't have anything personal to you, that might actually be an issue for connection and desire, right? Yeah. And I think there is something so beautiful in if you are a person who continues to grow and change constantly, like they're never going to understand the mystery and hopefully it's an ongoing dialogue. And I think, you know, where I've been kind of noticing in my own personal life that Secrecy. And then, of course, we get into a conversation about what's secrecy versus privacy and kind of like untangling that. But it it creates a space for exploration and discovery without judgment, which I think mm-hmm. is the valuable part. I'm also using the term kink here more broadly, like a la Existential Kink by Carolyn Elliott, which is sort of just like it's a thing that maybe publicly we're not going to like cop to is our favorite, favorite thing. But like we clearly have a little something, something for it, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's also really reflected in the culture of monogamy that we have, where it's like, no, 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 be monogamous. It's okay if you cheat on your partner as long as they don't find out. I would never say it's okay to cheat on your partner. I would not, not me, you know? And so it's like that, that, that's such a good example of the like, 
implicit, explicit social expectations versus like what we say is okay versus what the normative behavior shows is okay. Mm -hmm. So that's what I really struggle with, right? Because in my perfect world, it would all line up. And I am such a consistent human. I create opportunities for novelty in my life at a huge degree, but like I will show up and do the same thing with my partner, not not the exact same acts, right? But like I will be enthusiastic, I'll get excited, da, da, da. and I have learned how that can drive people away. Mm -hmm. I have this incredible intensity, and I, you know, after interviewing so many people, I realize that I am pretty unique and that my desire is spontaneous and very high, like very high desire. And it still doesn't mean that I want to fuck every stranger who listens to me talk about that, right? Mm -hmm. And so I had to kind of learn that the hard way because I still get a lot of terrible invitations, but that's also why I just created a guide to irresistible invitations that starts with the very basic but uh, so often overlooked piece of information that it's like introduce yourself who the fuck are you if you're writing to an online stranger <laughs> yeah and that's a question i have for later because i was like what is irresistible invitation so i want to know more about that shortly i want to go to the bucket list i think that that will apply to a lot of people um we talk about and this is not ours right um a lot of people talk about the erotic menu and the importance of developing an erotic menu that's your you know yeses nos maybes and it can constantly grow and shift and so your work has led you to create an extensive erotic bucket list right it just keeps on growing and expanding so first of all what kinds of sexy things are on that list <laughs> many, so like literally too many things it's it's currently around like five or six hundred things and that's created from both talking to people from looking at lists on fet life from looking at lists of kinks because there's so much that i want even if i don't have a specific kink i want to play with a partner that does and ideally document the process and like learn more about it right but the bucket list really started when i kind of did a whole life overhaul in 2016 2017 where i was like what do I care about? I'm going to shave my head. I'm going to travel around South America and figure out my values. And that's when I became committed to like living a creatively fulfilled life, whatever that meant. And so that led me to exploring kinky sex for the first time, which led me to transcendent sex, which led me to want to talk about sex, which led me to where I am now. And I think it's really important to say that I have this big, long bucket list and I'm in theory, like targeting stuff to cross off but really it's a tool for conversation mm. because personally I feel that uh to just like have a to-do list that I'm crossing off in my sex life sucks while it may be really cool to be like um hey Cherie DeVille awesome porn star we talked on my podcast about you exploring my belly button I'm ready to do that even though I'm a little nervous would you like to do that you know and then having kind of a play exploration session that we do on camera where we do that but in my own personal life, I've just been crossing the shit off of stuff kind of like willy-nilly opportunistically. However, putting those things on my radar for my own personal bucket list helps me in the moment be like, oh, that is a yes. Or like, oh my gosh, that's not even on my list. And it's definitely something I want to do. You know, like I just got fisted for the first time and that's, mm, that's yeah. on there. But I wasn't targeting that in November. It's just like it came up and I was like, yeah. So mm -hmm. that's kind of how I've been using it. And I think... Ultimately, it's creating a template for my future edurotic content, and I'm working on retreats with industry folks where we can come play and create content, right? Um, yeah. At all levels. So there'll be the more like safe for work sex industry folks, and then the people who are performer creators. And that's where I'm really, really excited to activate it. And I am noodling on like, do I want to open up? You know, if if there's someone out there who is public, who is an OnlyFans creator, who is a listener of my podcast, like maybe they can make an irresistible invitation. We can find overlap. But I would say most of the people who I hear from who just find me through the internet are like, hi, I'd love to do these weird, weird, weird things with you. No, you can't have a camera. Yes, it must be a secret. No, I expect you to drop your whole life and come mm. fly to wherever I am. And I'm like, well, that's not what I'm doing here. <laughs> yeah. So wait, I'm just, I was going to ask this later, but can you explain more about this irresistible invitation? Because yeah. it sounds so interesting to me. I must know more. So I it's in its earliest stage right now. What is on my website is a basic four part. It's just a PDF, but it says like, if you want to invite me or anyone out, like number one, who are you? Number two, like why? Why you? Why me? Like what is our overlap? What do you think I will find interesting? Number three, what are you actually inviting me to do? I have so many requests from people that are like, I like you. I found you on field. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Uh, okay, I didn't match with you. There's no picture or name here. I'm not going to be a free tour guide for a complete stranger. You know, what's the context? And then lastly, if I am a yes, because you've given me a really great introduction, I see the overlap. 
there is a great invitation there that is like specific to me, not just like, would you like to meet for coffee? I love coffee, but like I make it at home every day and it's delicious and I don't have to leave my house. You know, lastly, if I'm an easy yes, what are the next steps? When is it, you know, concretely? And so I'm like, if if I got invitations like that, I might actually like fuck with dating apps or FetLife again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so the irresistible invitation is someone giving you one more clarity, right? More honesty, clarity. Here's my intentions. Here's who I am. Here's my intentions. Here's what I'm desiring or why I'm interested in you. Instead of just like, Hey, you're hot. Want to go on a date? Yes. <laughs> okay. It's, really, it's yeah. really inviting the asker to reflect on the other person's perspective mm-hmm. and to give them an opportunity to provide value, you know, relational yeah. value, and whether it's any, any number of ways to provide value. Right. And when I frame this to people, they're like, what do you mean provide value? And I'm like, yeah, go meditate on it. <laughs> we might not be on the same page yet. Mm-hmm. Time for a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors who just so happens to be our absolute favorite lube, UberLube. UberLube is a luxurious silicone lubricant and it enhances intimacy. It's there when you want it and it blends in when you're done with it. So you have control over that lube. It's long lasting and leaves the skin extra velvety. And honestly, y'all, I want it all over my body. Thousands of doctors in the U.S. are recommending UberLube to their patients. It's body-friendly, less likely to change the pH, and it has vitamin E, so it feels extra moisturizing. There's a reason why we've been a fan of UberLube for years. There's no flavor or scent. It's even great for oral sex, everyone. But it's not just great for sex. You can use it for massage, your hair. You can prevent chafing. It even brings out the colors of your beautiful tattoos. And the bottle is absolutely gorgeous. It looks more like a cosmetic, so you can leave it anywhere shamelessly for easy access. Just go to uberlube.com and use the discount code SHAMELESS10 to get 10% off and free shipping. Again, that's U-B-E-R-L-U-B-E.com right now with code SHAMELESS10 for 10% off and free shipping. This podcast is also brought to you by OMGS.com. Join over 1 million people who are experiencing more pleasure with OMGS. They take scientific research of thousands of vulva owners showing techniques to pleasure that pussy. They turn this research into tasteful educational short videos, animated modules, and infographics. OMGS is for anyone who wants to learn about vulva pleasure or take it to the next level. Want to take your orgasms from good to out of this world? Then check out OMGS. Or if you're a vulva lover and want to up your pussy pleasuring skills, then you need to check out OMGS. I've personally been recommending OMGS to my clients for years, and it's completely changed their lives. They have three seasons, external pleasure, internal pleasure, and sex toys. It's not a subscription service, and you don't need to download a thing. OMGS also makes a fabulous gift, and your purchase supports more pleasure research. So just go to omgs.com shameless to get 10% off right now. Again, that's omgs.com shameless to receive 10% off unlimited access towards enhancing your pleasure power. The link is in the episode's description. So is this, I was going to go to this later too, but I'm just going to like, you know, free flow. Is this related to rejection then too? Because I also, I was reading also just like switching gears. I mean, we all know rejection sucks balls, but it can teach us a few things. But I believe you've learned a lot from rejection and experiencing an immense amount of rejection. So what have you learned? And is the irresistible invitations a part of the learning? Oh yeah. I would say pretty much at this point, every single thing I have in my life that is some like attempt to control or structure things is kind of born out of my history of rejection. And I would say at this point, I probably have a rejection kink to the to the point where it's not like, oh, I'm waiting to get rejected again. It's just I've put myself in so many positions my whole life to be rejected that it's okay with me. And there's some part of me that's like, ah, well, not that one. Yummy, yummy. Okay, move on to the next. And so I think also my background Also, there was a point in time where I, for two years, worked with pickup artists producing their online reality show. And, you know, through them, I learned a lot of things that I would do differently. But, you know, they are like, it's just a numbers game. Rejection, for the most part, is not personal. It has more to do with the other person than me specifically. 
while it sucks, and especially if you're just trying to get laid and be nice, you know, what I really have learned is try, try again, right? And I definitely created the guide to irresistible invitations because I also was rejecting a lot of people. And I'm like, you're so like, if you even gave me anything to go off of, maybe, but there's nothing here, right? And my sister was like, no, 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 just ignore internet people. And I'm like, I'm going to try to help. Also, I want to connect with people, right? And so I think giving a template to be on the same page with people, especially since a lot of people I'm hearing from have a parasocial relationship with me, which that was a whole other learning curve I didn't know existed. You know, it kind of helps set expectations, right? And I think that's a big part of a lot of rejection is it's like, well, what am I agreeing to? Mm. You know, and what I've learned from my own communication blunders in the past is that I can be so, for many people, unsettlingly direct that it just shocks a nervous system and can be a literal turnoff. Mm. So I'm learning better how to quite create that introduction, to set the stage, to go slow. And that that way, when you get to the third point, the climax, it's like, oh, yeah, I would love to go on a mountain hike with a picnic, or da -da 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 -da, you know, um, and get to know each other in public first since we're complete strangers to each other, you know, <laughs> before mm -hmm. we go to a secluded situation. And so I am hoping that I can kind of use this framework to then practice reaching out to other people who are professionals who might want to be naked on camera with me or maybe not maybe I'm just the camera lady or maybe we'll see but that is kind of my effort to invite people to at least kind of think through relationships from all sides because I think that's the number one thing where I've gotten tangled before is seeing only from my perspective right and when I zoom out and put on my compassion hat and put myself in their perspective it's usually a different answer. And if I do that too often without a partner who's able to do the same, there's a big imbalance. So that's kind of what I'm trying to solve for, which is definitely related to rejection. Yeah. I find rejection really interesting because everyone has experienced it or most likely and will at some point and many times in their lives and will probably have to reject someone. And I think of Charlie Glickman, I believe is the one who said this. He said a rejection is, you know, rejection in casual dating, right? It's it's not a rejection of you because they don't know you as a person. Yeah. Uh, it's just they're declining an opportunity they had to do with you. But it, like you said earlier, it's not personal yet. That can still be hard for people. So I'm curious what your top tips would be for two things. Number one, how people can learn to better handle rejection. Mm. And what would be your top tips for someone who wanted to do the rejecting, meaning declining in an engagement with someone, whether it's uh, sexual or not, in a way that feels uh, more authentic and safe to do? Oh, yeah. That's a great question. I'll take the second part first. I'm a big fan of Brene Brown's clear is kind mantra. Mm -hmm. I just believe that you don't need to give, don't give reasons why. Don't personally attack a person at all. Ooh, I shouldn't speak in don'ts. I'm practicing speaking in positives, which, <laughs> yeah. will, which will be part of my answer for the first part, part of the yeah. question. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, thank the person. Let them know you're not available. And I would say, don't say you're busy. Don't say you're well, any of that. Just be like, this isn't something I'm interested in. Or if you're too scared to do that, just redirect toward what you are available for. Mm -hmm. You know, so I had a friend recently whose ex was just sending Spotify link after Spotify link, no context. And she finally was like, what do I do? How do I stop this? And I was like, well, what do you want to have happen? She's like, I just never need to hear from this person again, mm -hmm. but I'm not blocking them because I want to leave lines open in case of emergency. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, well, how about you say something along the lines of like, hey, it seems like there's a desire to connect there, right? Keeping it grounded in reality. I'm noticing because of these communications that I'm not really open to friendship at this moment in time. I'm happy mm -hmm. to let you know if that changes. But for now, I'd like to reserve open lines of communication from emergencies only. Happy holidays. Wish you the best. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's like clear and kind, but it's also very like, here's what I need. Mm -hmm. And so I think that is maybe the answer also to the first question is like, focus on your needs. You, my needs are never the other person that's rejecting me. Like that person is a curiosity. That's a whole mixture of a projected relationship that doesn't exist yet. My need might be a desire for connection. So if I'm rejected by my crush who I've you know been bubbling up about for the past six months or whatever, I can go in the hot tub with my girlfriend. I can go find a date that wants to be with me. I can go to, I mean, I really think that going finding community events is good even if you don't know anybody. I'm a big fan of going out into the world where I'm a total stranger, which has been very interesting with hair. You know, people are used to seeing me with a shaved head. I haven't really posted a lot of pictures with hair. So now I'm like, I'm in disguise everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, you're wearing a wig, but it's not a wig. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so I think regrouping on what is actually feeding me, what is nourishing my soul, is my self-love 
up to the level where I want it? Like, have I taken myself on an artist date lately? I know a lot of people are very scared to go on dates alone. When I was traveling around by myself, it became one of my favorite, most luxurious things to do, you know, to sit at a restaurant, to have my journal, to wander in a museum and to just check in with my own desires. Because when else in our lives do we get a chance to do that? So for me, those moments of rejection where maybe things aren't going my way are just an opportunity to be like, well, okay, I'm not going to spend Thursday night on a date. What could I do instead that would fill me up? Mm, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, you find something else that fills you that is nourishing. So even, and it's not to say that you even when you do these practices, I'm doing practices in the air quotes kind of, but, um, where you're nourishing some, your feeling of rejection that you don't still feel like sadness, hurt, pain. So it's not like yeah. bypassing feelings, right? Ooh. It's still like, okay, well, this doesn't feel good, but I'm, I'm saying it's not personal. It's not personal. And how do I tend to me? What is that? What sounds really yummy right now? And how can I do that? Mm-hmm. It's such a lovely gift to give yourself. And I think a lot, yeah, rejection can be really, really scary. So, okay, another question on rejection. When it comes to dating, um, or not dating, but sorry, like erotic, romantic, sexual rejection, I personally think that when a, a long-term partner rejects you in a way where they're, you know, if if it's the extreme, like, I don't know if I want to be with you anymore too. I don't know if I want to spend time with you today. I don't know if I want to have sex with you. Mm-hmm. That to me is a lot more challenging. Yeah, it's, I, less, I still think a lot of times, it's not, a lot of it's not personal. Then like, for me personally, if I was like, hey, you're, I think you're really attractive. Nice to meet you. Blah, blah, blah. Would you ever, would you like to have coffee sometime? And like, no, thank you. That to me is easier because I'm like, you don't know totally. me. It's you're fine. Invested. Yeah, you're, you're not invested. But when so but still what I would say for the people who feel rejected by people who you feel like really do know you, they still one don't fully know all of you. Just like I mean, I don't fully know all of me, too. I reject myself half the time. So <laughs> sometimes yeah, I'm like, yeah. and so is that personal? If I have moments where I'm rejecting you know, certain aspects of myself, like Amy wants to go and do a thing. And, but I'm like, Oh, Amy can't do a thing. This is like happening in my own head. And that's its own form of rejection. I know people are like, you guys are going off on like all these weird levels of thinking, but so what do you think about that? Like the difference between the being or delivering a rejection in something that is more casual versus something that is more invested. So my last serious ish relationship ended when my former dominant who was the person that like introduced me to kink transcendent sex after five years of an on again off again thing our relationship ended when in public he yelled at me something to the effect of like you're probably not even autistic but there's definitely something wrong with you and stormed away holy shit and that was the in you know and there had been lots of issues like leading up to that moment which looking back on that last year i'm like oh, his behavior was already rejecting me, but his words were opposite, right? And this is someone who my little literal brain was like, you're saying forever in our fantasy talk. Is that a fantasy or is it, do you mean it? Because like, you are married. I don't know if that's helpful for me. Mm-hmm. You know, and yet this was the person that in my adult life I had shared more with than anyone else on the planet. I felt more deeply known, like this sense of trust that literally changed the course of my entire life. Without that partner, I would not be here today. I wouldn't be doing any of the things. I'd probably still be struggling to find good sex. Hopefully not. But, you know, what a formative person for me. What an important person for me. I was so shocked that I couldn't drive for like a couple hours and I was in West Hollywood. So I was just like wandering around. I ended up at the like restoration hardware and just sat on a bunch of different couches very slowly because I was in shock. I didn't know what to do. I didn't think this person was ever going to leave my life. Certainly not like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's taken, it's been just over two years since then. And it took a lot of journaling. It took a lot of being sad. It took a lot of reminding myself that even though still sometimes it feels like I'll never, ever find someone who scratches that same itch, who cares about me in the same way, like knowing that that's a story and it's okay. Mm -hmm. It's okay if I never have the same type of sex again. I will have something else, but not if I'm only focused on what I don't have, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's where in those moments where I'm so sad, you know, casual sex doesn't it's not the same thing but for me it is a different sort of nourishing touch and then it still brings up the parts where it's like but it's not like that person and so just this is where the fact that I've been meditating every day since August 8th 2016 comes in handy is that I'm able to just notice the really bad sad hard feelings and do I need to journal about them do I need to exercise do I need to go on a run you know like what does that particular moment in that particular day need and then I just get comfy with the fact that I am not happy in that moment right now. And I always am a person that sees feelings as an indication that there's a change that wants to be made. And I don't rush it. I just let it unfold in its own timing and do my best 
to anchor into friendships, family relationships, and nourishing, you know, connections in the world, including with myself, so that I can be a better version of a partner to my own self, right? Because I was only in that now toxic relationship for the last couple of years because I'd let that stuff slide. And because I was like scrabbling to to have my desires met from this person. So it was really a big opportunity for me to kind of like take a breath, know that I was going to be in pain for a while and not wallow in it unless I needed to, right? There are definitely those days where it's rainy and cozy and I just needed to play music and cry a lot. And then finding other people who were going through something similar. Like I ended up working very closely with a good friend who was also processing a breakup. And so, you know, between that and therapy, right? Like I'm a big proponent of therapy. I'm in EMDR therapy now. I was just Love in regular yeah. like talk yeah. analysis for a while. Yeah. So those are, those are kind of my main tangible. And if someone can't afford therapy, if it's not accessible to you, if it's not what you want, journal deeply and make sure that it's a curious, gentle, loving form of journaling, right? My early journaling was like anxiety-filled, judgment-riddled stuff that looking back, I'm like, oh, that deepened the grooves of like self-loathing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, curious journaling has been one of the most always- Curious. I love that. Curious journaling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Just remaining curious about whatever is coming up for me and, yeah. and not trying to solve it, but just being like, who are you, little voice? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you have to say? What what do you what do you need? Yeah, um, have you ever d- uh, heard of IFS or done IFS therapy, internal family systems? Internal family systems. I've mm-hmm. only heard about it once on a podcast in the context of they were talking about how useful it is for talking to so the parts. Who, yeah, yeah, the parts. But yeah. it, but in the context of like people who are at risk for suicide, oh. because it's it's usually mm-hmm. just one tiny little part, and if you can mm-hmm. talk to that part and find out what it needs, then hopefully people don't kill themselves. Yeah. I'm condensing it too smallly, but yes, yeah. Um, yeah. exactly, just like that, like inside yeah. out, but grown up version. Yeah, it's like who's this one? Okay, this is like the protector, my bodyguard, yeah. or there's like a firefighter. There's all these all these different parts, and I just love all the modalities of um, more like somatic imaginary therapy, where like bring you're using our brains and imagination to get curious about like who, whose voice is this? Is this mine? Is this someone else's? How long has it been here? What is it trying to say? And I love also what you said about feelings being indications for something that wants to change. And like, I've felt that way about feelings for a long time, especially that I don't like this feelings, but like, okay, but it's saying something, you know, some sort of discomfort or negative self-talk in me is saying something to me about something that should, should, or not should, I don't want to show myself, but wants to shift and I can ignore it and feel more stuck, or I can sit with it and be really patient with it and, and just see what happens. You speak words or you bring words to your own process in a way that I think it gets, at least for me, it gets my my mind thinking, I think is really, really awesome. And so you have a whole podcast. I know we're going to guess on your podcast at some point, the sex stories podcast that everyone should definitely check out. Um, and I don't, that's not all that you do, though. So can you tell us more about your offerings and how people can work with you, all the the fun, juicy ways to to get more YO in their lives, but not in a creepy totally. way? <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> Sex stories is definitely great for anyone who loves kind of the like audio voyeur experience of just hearing about other people's, you know, loves and desires. So that is just my personal like pleasure, passion project for the rest of forever. But it's kind of in the background of my life. I work right now primarily with sex workers who want help and support creating content with someone who is deeply invested in that world. And then also I work with a lot of my listeners whether they are solo humans or couples or sometimes more sums. Mm-hmm. And that can look any number of ways, right? So my origin is as a photographer and filmmaker. So sometimes a one-on-one photo session is just like me being a photo dom and that can have a kinky element to it or not, right? Mm-hmm. So I help people do a lot of like nude discovery, like lots of people who I have worked with in the past have never felt comfortable in their naked body, certainly not on camera. So that's something I've facilitated for lots of people. For some people, they just want a dominatrix style, like barking at them while they touch themselves. So it's sort of like an in-person JOI. I'm never touching them, right? Because touch in a session like that is not legal. I always do legal and consensual things. And then more often than not, I'm doing some form of creative breakthrough session or mini retreat where maybe someone wants to figure out the sex storyline of a character they're writing. Maybe they also need like a headshot. Maybe they're not really sure what they're doing, but they just feel generally stuck. And so we tend to have sort of a play day, which like I always start and finish with portraits because I think that's a really good way to get a human to drop into their body. And I'm really good at making them breathe and like let go until the way that they feel 
matches what I see in the camera. And that's like my unique skill as a photographer that I don't really know how to words other than that. But that pretty much is the basis for if we paint together, if we collage together, if we're just talking, if we're, you know, so creating like an arts and crafts day for grownups. And then in the background, we're usually talking about personal stuff, vulnerable stuff, sexy stuff. It kind of helps people get to the next level however they want mm. you know and sometimes they bring partners in they talk about relationship stuff I think people <laughs> I've observed that people tend to make more work when they have that kind of container of privacy and secrecy where they can really explore themselves so that is my favorite although I fucking love coming in and helping couples make like slutty smutty erotic videos and stills for themselves like for their own private pleasure that's a lot of what I do I mean I thought I had the best job in the world but you might have a better job because <laughs> it's really good yeah yeah I, I love it I love it yeah, I love everything that you're creating and offering and I know that there's so much more that you are going to continue to do and to give to the world so will you just remind our this is the best way to find you find your podcast find you on the socials all the things Oh, yeah. Everything is at yolee.com slash link. So that's W-Y-O-H-L-E-E.com. All right. Go and find Y-O on all the things. And thank you so much for sharing all of your gifts. And, and you know, there's so much more that you could, we could probably talk for hours upon hours. Uh, and let's see, to all of our listeners, go and rate your favorite podcast. Well, go and rate Sex Stories. Go and rate us. We the, we really benefit from the reviews. It helps people find us from all over the world. People who need more shameless sex or more sex stories in their lives. And also uh, support your uh, local or favorite artists, also known as people who create content like YO, what YO is doing and other people that are doing various offerings that you could potentially find for free, such as porn, or <laughs> you could pay money to the people that you want to support or like Shameless Sex with our wonderful book that's out there called Shameless Sex. And if you did buy our book, please go rate us on the avenue that you bought the book because that helps people and go find our book as well. <sighs> okay, I think that's most of the things that April would have said because she's not here, but she's just arriving. I see her with her cute little dog. Her little dog, too. They are just arriving. So we love you, April. And thank you, Y.O., for coming on our show. Thank you. And yes, and to all of our listeners, we will see you next Tuesday, as we always do. And ciao for now. Want to learn more? Go to shamelesssex.com. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code shamelesssex at purepleasureshop.com.